The Jets' season is over, and the NFL wildcard round was wild indeed. We look back at the four nail-biters, preview divisional round weekend, and go around the NFL coaching carousel with New York Post football columnist Steve Serby. We also chat with legendary Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. All that and more next on Gangs All Here with the New York Post. You played to win the game. Welcome to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast with the New York Post. I'm your host and Jets beat writer, Brian Costello. You can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cos. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your pods. Let's talk some football. All right, well, the Jets season has been over for about a week now. Some time to, to dissect what happened this year, 7-9. and nine. Obviously, they went 6-2 and two in the second half of the season, and people debating, you know, is that does that matter? Does it not matter? They play that week schedule. You know, to me, um, I think it beats the alternative of being two and six. And, you know, Adam Gase's first year with the Jets, they, they seem to get better as the season went on. So I think that's encouraging. Uh, the other news this week, Jamal Adams made first team all pro. Uh, Jamal's going to be a story this offseason because, uh, you know, the Jets are going to have to pay him. I, I don't see any way around it. I, I don't think they're going to trade him. I know that was the talk in the middle of the year, and I thought there was a chance they might move on from him. But now the way he played in the second half of the season and, kind of just how important he showed he was to the team, not just from his play, but the energy he brings. I think the Jets are going to have to pay him. And, you know, Eddie Jackson, the safety with the Bears, got paid Friday uh, $14.5 million a year. He's now the highest paid safety. So that's where you're starting. You know, if you're Joe Douglas, if you're Jamal Adams' agent, agent, that's what you're looking at is Eddie Eddie Jackson, 14 and a half a year. So I think Jamal should expect about $15 million a year. Now, is it going to be a shorter deal, four-year deal? Is it going to be longer, like six years, like Landon Collins got? I think that's what they have to hash out. Uh, guaranteed money is always a, a big thing. How much are they going to pay him? But I think Jamal Adams is going to be here for a long time. Uh, looking back last week, uh, Adam Gase's final press conference and Joe Douglas's final press conference, one topic that interested me, and I wrote about it in the post, was them kind of looking at what caused all the injuries this year. Uh, you know, every team has injuries. You, you watch the playoff games right now, and they list, oh, this guy's out. The Eagles were down a lot of guys. Seahawks were missing some guys yesterday. Every team misses people, but the Jets this year was insane. I've never seen anything like the number of players they had out, 20 on IR, a lot of positions where they were down to their fifth and sixth guys at some points of the season. So the Jets are looking at whether this was pra- the way they practiced, whether it's the training room, whether it's the strength and conditioning program, you know, do they need to stretch better? The weird thing was the Jets didn't have a lot of soft tissue injuries, like hamstrings and groins and stuff. They had a lot, lot of season-ending, like, broken bones and things like that. So I don't think they're going to get any answers on how to solve this. I think they're going to have to chalk it up to being an anomaly, like Joe Douglas said. It was his, his initial thought. So, but, you know, they, they need some luck <laughs> next year in the injury department. They had a lot of bad luck this year, and it's a, it's a key thing. If you look at the Buffalo Bills, who played – basically the same schedule as the Jets other than two games. The Bills were the healthiest team in the NFL this year, and I think that helped them get to 10-6. and six. All right, now let's uh, talk about some of these playoff games. going to bring in our producer, Jake Brown, now to talk about the playoff games. Some four great games, Jake. What uh, what was the, the best game for you from the weekend? Well, how about it ending, Kaz, with our old friend, Josh McCown, who uh, my mom actually used to tutor his daughter in Charlotte. Uh, so it was nice to see him play and, you know, the cry, the tears, the emotions from a 40 year old who's never been there. 
I mean, this guy's his whole career never been in a playoff game ever, which is incredible to think about, uh, which was the worst of the four games. We got two overtime thrillers. We got crazy coaching decisions in that Bills-Texans game. We had Josh Allen think he was playing in the Music City Miracle, uh, throwing an absolute ridiculous lateral for no reason in the fourth quarter that almost cost them the game. They end up losing anyway. But that game to me was the highlight, as well as Kirk Cousins. I mean, knocking that prime time, you can't win in prime time, you can't win on the big stage, to the uh, post game, uh, I, uh, you like that in the locker room. I think that was a really cool moment for him. Yeah, you know, and I look at it a lot of times through Jets' eyes, you know, since I cover the Jets. And so the, some of these storylines come back to the Jets with, you know, Josh McCown obviously was here for two years, and Josh is one of the best guys in the NFL. And if you were on Twitter, you could see all the love he was getting from reporters across the league because he's played for every team and he's been a good guy. Uh, so, you know, it was good to see Josh in there. I was I was hoping he was going to pull it out uh, there and and at the end, but he couldn't do it. Um, and then Kirk Cousins obviously was the guy the Jets targeted a couple years ago before they drafted Sam Darnold. And the knock on him has been the big game, winning in prime time. And I think he answered that question yesterday. That was some throw he made to Adam Thielen at the end of the game. Uh, whether that was pass interference or not is an interesting debate on the touchdown to Rudolph. You know, I think by the letter of the law, it's probably pass interference, but that play happens a million times in a game, and I'm not sure the refs call it. So I didn't have a problem with them swallowing their whistle at that point. I understand the Saints fans being upset right now. But they saw it quickly enough. It was, it was very quick. That was the weird thing. Like, they came back quick, but, you know, he must have – I think the key is, like, with pass interference or reviewing it, it has to be – I can't remember the language they use, but it has to be like egregious and, and alter the play. And I guess they felt like it wasn't, it didn't rise to that level. So they stuck with the call on the field is what he told the pool reporter. But yeah, I mean that call and then Jadavion Clowney not getting a penalty for his hit on Carson Wentz. The, you know, the refs are again, a topic today. It, it, this is so crazy with the saints. I mean, it's so ironic how last year their season ends on a missed pass interference call. This year, it ends on a another missed offensive pass interference call, the Minneapolis miracle against the Vikings. They just can't catch a break. This is like when a girlfriend gets back with you and then dumps you again, and then she's back with you, and then she dumps you again, and then she dumps you a third time. I mean, how much more heartbreak can they get? And how about Taysom Hill outplaying Drew Brees at times was a pretty interesting storyline from that game. But that was just a roller coaster ride, and they had their chances. But you know what, Kirk, like you said, Kaz, made some unbelievable career-changing throws that uh, started to make you think maybe he is earning that $30 million a year. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's had a very good career when you look at it, and he's played very well. He just hasn't been able to win these big games is the knock, and now he does it. I, I find it interesting, you know, Breeze is 40. We talk, we talk about Tom Brady all the time. We're going to talk about him on this podcast and what his future is. The Saints are running out of time with Drew Brees, though, 40 years old. I, I don't know how many more cracks they're going to get at it, and they keep losing these games. Now, you might look at Taysom Hill and say they'll be all right. Uh, they also have Teddy Bridgewater, who played very well this year when Brees was hurt. I don't know if they'll keep Teddy after this year, but I remember seeing the Saints in the preseason. They played the Jets, and that was the night Andrew Luck retired. And I remember thinking if I was the Colts, I would call the Saints and see – could I get Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill? Because they have they had a really good quarterback situation with those three guys there. So it's going to be interesting what the future holds in New Orleans at the quarterback position. Well, what did you think of the end of the Texans-Bills game? 
Oh, I just think it was just pure insanity when it comes to bad coaching. I mean, Bill O'Brien, I mean, that he screwed multiple things up. He's lucky to end up winning that game. And Josh Allen it was like Jameis Winston Jr. I mean, how erratic can a guy get? He made some unreal plays, some unreal runs, and then he made some bad laterals, some bad passes. So, I mean, the Bills had every chance to win that game. And I hate, cause I hate this. I don't know about you, but I hate when on 4th and 23, 4th and a billion, no Freddie Mitchell in the building to save you, they decide to go for it uh, instead of kicking a field goal. I mean, why not kick a long field goal? Uh, not enough coaches, to me, have a, have enough faith in their kickers. And, ha- and Hauschka's not some uh, bum. I mean, he's a decent kicker, and he's able to hit it from 54-55. Why not give him a shot there to win you the game? I'll never understand that. Why not? Uh, punt or kick the field goal it just doesn't make sense well you just said it right there at the end I, I'm not sure I would have done a field goal there I can't remember the exact distance it would have been I'm like 59 to... I think 58 yeah I mean that's that scares me a little bit doing that but they had three timeouts left so punt the ball pin the Texans down trust your defense which they've won with defense all year long you know so do that and, and then you get the ball back and, and win the game I mean I, I thought they should have punted there uh, fourth and 20, it was at the 42, so it would have been a 60-yard field goal. That That's a little much to me to try. But it's indoors. There's no weather. I mean, at least give uh, it a try. I don't think Hauschka's ever kicked one that long, though. I would I, I would have, in that situation, if he misses it, you're killing him for kicking the field goal there. I mean, I would have punted um, and, and played defense. They had all their timeouts. It's funny, the fourth and one uh, where, where Bill O'Brien went for it, that – Analytics says he made the right decision, and you know that it, we have all these analytic guys now covering these games or, and and kind of working for the team. So I think he went with analytics there over gut because I think anyone who's played football and coached football for a long time, fourth and one at the thirty, I don't think you're going for it there. I think he kicked the field goal there. Uh, so it, it, that was that was an interesting one by Bill O'Brien, but one. That the you know the, the numbers say he made the right decision, but to me it was completely the wrong decision. Yeah, that's a tough one because it would have been like a 47, 48 yard kick, and it was like yeah. fourth and inches was really close. And usually you trust Deshaun Watson in those QB sneak spots. Uh, he's just a, a great rushing quarterback. I mean, he made the just play that everyone's going to be talking about for years, where he avoided essentially two hits, two huge hits against him. Um, but I want to let you and the savvy veteran Steve Serby talk about the game we didn't address much, and that's. Tom Brady and the Patriots going down. I want to welcome in now New York Post football columnist Steve Serby. Serby was at Foxborough on uh, Saturday night to watch Tom Brady and the Patriots dynasty fall to Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. Still a weird sentence to say. So, Serb, the question on everyone's mind, and I know you have the answer to, what is Tom Brady going to do now? Uh, he'll be the next coach of the New York football giants, according to my according to my sources. No, he'll uh, look. Nobody knows. I, I don't even think Brady knows right now. He's going to have to sit down with uh, his benefactor, Robert Kraft, and uh, Belichick's going to have to decide whether he wants Brady as his quarterback. And uh, Brady, you know, Brady's a free agent for the first time in his career, and he's been linked to the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, who may say goodbye to Philip Rivers and welcome Brady for their new uh, stadium next year. So, it's all in flux. Nobody knows. Uh, I'm hoping, uh, and most Patriot fans are hoping Brady stays. Uh, he's their icon. He's their Ted Williams, etc. And um, look, he's not the same quarterback, but 
he needs more weapons around him that much. He can no longer elevate the team around him. Do you think, you know, the Patriots are, are at the end here? Do you think they're done? Uh, the dynasty's over? You know, I, I've declared the dynasty over uh, several times uh, <laughs> over the years. And when it comes to Belichick, it's very difficult to declare it over. Now, he's going to lose Josh McDaniels. It looks like McDaniels will take a head coaching job somewhere, we think, and stick to it this time. Um, and he could lose Nick Casario from the front office. But if you want any – I'll take Belichick rebuilding a team or reconstructing a team any day of the week. And, uh, look, the, the AFC East – the Jets and Bills, the Bills are on the upswing. We know that. The Jets, are, who knows about the Jets? Uh, even you don't know, Kaz. Um, but it's not exactly a powerhouse conference. So if I think if Brady gets assurances from Belichick that he's going to bring in a big-time receiver to help out, because Edelman will be 34 next year, and Brady, God bless him, will be 43 next summer. So – if Belichick keeps that promise to Brady, and if Brady does not ask for the moon financially, which he never has, he's given them hometown discounts over the years uh, just so that, the, that Belichick can build a team. Um, you know, they, they can still make nice, and they will still be the favorite to win their 12th division title. Now, again... Brady cannot win a Super Bowl by himself anymore. He needs more help than he's ever needed. The question is, will he stay and will Belichick get him that help? As a 43-year-old, I find all this talk about Brady being old very insulting, but I'll uh, I'll move on. I'll move on to the other team. The Titans, you know, pull off the win, and, and I feel like everyone's focused on the Patriots for obvious reasons, but what did you think of the way the Titans played on Saturday night, and do you, do you give them any chance against the Ravens this weekend, a game you'll be covering in Baltimore. Yeah, well, uh, supposed to be uh, showers on Saturday night in Baltimore, which um, it, it's going to be a bloodbath. That game is going to be, you know, two teams trying to play bully ball. Baltimore with Mark Ingram and, uh, of course, uh, the Titans with Derrick Henry. Uh, the Titans, Mike Vrabel is going to want to limit uh, Ryan Tannehill's throws I mean, if he could, if he could have that same balance that he had the other night against the Patriots, he'll sign up for that in a minute. But that's not going to be the case. The Ravens are going to load up to stop Derrick Henry and force Ryan Tannehill to beat them. And uh, I, I, they can definitely keep it close. Look, my crystal ball was broken over the weekend. I only got one game right, and that was the Seahawk game. When, thanks to Carson Wentz suffering a concussion. Um, uh, but my technicians ha are, are repairing my crystal ball now, and I see a uh, I see a close game. I, I I like the Ravens at home, and um, uh, you know what I'd love. It's too bad Ray Lewis will not be active for this game. Ray Lewis versus Derrick Henry that would have been like Jim Brown versus Sam Huff. Uh, how about the other AFC game, the Chiefs and the Texans? A great quarterback matchup with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Who does the crystal ball like in that game? Well, you have to like the Chiefs. I mean, it's going to be a, a sea of red at Arrowhead. Um, although I have to, I have to admit, anytime you've got Deshaun Watson on the field, the guy is just a stone cold winner. And uh, 
he'll he'll make things interesting. He he uh, carved up the uh, Chiefs earlier in the season. He he ran for two touchdowns, threw for another one, was intercepted twice. But um, I, I I don't see Carlos Hyde doing the damage he did against the Chiefs the first time. Lately, the Chiefs have been playing really well defensively. Their pass rush has been uh, geared up lately, and uh, you know watch watch Terrell Suggs. He knows how to get it done in the playoffs, and and. Uh, so does Spagnola, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. So, um, it, it, I th- again, it's gonna be a, should be a great game, but I don't know. I don't see the Texans stopping uh, Mahomes. I really don't. Uh, I'm JJ Watt will give them a little bit of inspiration, but uh, Eric Fisher's healthy now for the Chiefs, and 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 I see Mahomes Mahomes doing major damage through the air. It's funny. I can't help, but you know, this is a Jets gang's all here Jets podcast. So I looking at this with Jets eyes, uh, the, the idea that the Jets passed on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's hard to, hard to fathom that they pass on both of them. Now they drafted Jamal Adams. Who's very good all pro, but you know, two possible, you know, generational quarterbacks, uh, looking back on that, sir, what, what do you think of that decision? Well, they had Hackenberg. What's the problem? <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, obviously, look, who who knew other than the Chiefs that Mahomes had a chance to be that special? They traded all the way up to get him. Uh, and nobody believed Dabo Sweeney that Deshaun Watson could be the, the Michael Jordan of the NFL. So... Um, yeah, obviously everybody wants a franchise quarterback and everybody loves Jamal Adams, but, you know, a pro Bowl safety is not the same as a young franchise quarterback uh, as far as present and future uh, of a franchise. So, yeah, the Jets are, are happy. They love Jamal Adams, but uh, imagine if they had Mahomes or, or Deshaun Watson. Uh, one big domino on the coaching carousel fell this morning uh sir with mike mccarthy going to the cowboys how do you see that affecting the other searches in the league the giants specifically here in new york the browns uh the panthers you know give us your your kind of summary of of what you think of the mccarthy move and how that affects the other teams well mccarthy obviously is is a winner i i uh wanted him to i wanted the jets to hire him last year i thought that would would have been the right move for the jets um this year, though, uh, I've lobbied for Matt Rule. I think he's the kind of leader, the kind of CEO the Giants need. He's very well respected in the building. He coached under Coughlin in 2012, assistant offensive line coach. Um, he's interviewing today on Monday with David Tepper in Carolina, and I believe Tuesday he'll be interviewing with the Giants, and uh, they ought to um, – uh, I'm, I think I'm going to stake out Nobu 57. That's his favorite restaurant uh, in Manhattan. So if you need me, I'll I'll be, I'll be there. Uh, Give me some takeout while you're there. What, what do you like? Uh, just, what just, don't just, you like is more like one, it. one of their, one of everything. What? All right. No, that's a, that's a good place. Um, I'll, I'll save you some uh, spicy tuna rolls. Um, but anyway, so Mac- yeah, McCarthy's obviously an upgrade over Jason Garrett. Um Jerry Jones sealed the deal. He had him stay over his home on Saturday night. Uh, I know, cause you've stayed over at Jerry Jones's home, uh, and when he attempted to hire you for PR, I think it was right. Yeah, yeah many times. 
Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I keep an eye on Matt Rule. I think the Giants, I think the, there's mutual interest there. Rule was was almost the Jets coach last year, right, Cuz? Tell me how that unfolded. Yeah, Matt Rule was a finalist with the Jets. It kind of got a little overstated how close it got. They never offered him the job. There was some debate about who was going to be on his staff. He wanted Sean Ryan. The Jets had issues with that. Um, but it was him, Adam Gase, and Todd Monken at the end, and they chose Adam Gase. So Rule was never really offered the job, but he was a strong candidate for it. So it's going to be interesting if he ends up with the Giants to see how he does there. Uh, you know, and Jets fans will be watching. Before I let you go, sir, I want to get your picks on the NFC games, uh, Vikings 49ers and Seahawks Packers. Who do you think is going to win those games? Jimmy GQ, obviously, uh, this is uncharted waters for him going up against that Vikings defensive line. But um, I, I think the 49ers, that their defensive line is going to make life miserable for Kirk Cousins. They're going to they're going to try to stop Dalvin Cook, obviously, and force Cousins to beat them. And I don't see Cousins shouting, "You like that?" in the locker room uh, against the Niners. Uh, and in the other game. It's going to be tropical in Green Bay. Temperatures in the 20s. So the Seahawks catch a break. That's a rematch. Remember the 2015 NFC Championship game? Seahawks were were down 16-zip, came back, won it 28-22 in overtime. Marshawn Lynch Lynch ran crazy. He won't run run crazy this time, but I bet bet if the ball is on the one-yard line, Pete Carroll is going to give it to him. So I like the Seahawks. It's just... Metcalf is a beast. Uh, I'm guessing the Packers put big corner Kevin King on him and and put Alexander on Tyler Lockett. But Russell Wilson will find a way. He almost always does. I like the Seahawks. All right. Thanks, sir, for joining us. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. You too. Joining us now is a Hall of Fame quarterback who has many teams he's played for, and all of them seem to be alive in the playoffs right now. The Houston Oilers turned into the Tennessee Titans, still alive. Minnesota Vikings, still alive. Seattle Seahawks, still alive. And the Kansas City Chiefs will kick off divisional weekend. It is Warren Moon. You can follow him on Twitter, at WMoon1. Warren, appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Happy New Year to you. And, uh, you know, all my teams are all alive. It's pretty conflicting me right now. I don't pretty much want to root for it. How does that work, Warren? Who, who, who do you pick? Who do you want to win? So far, none of them are playing each other, so um, I'm, I'm pretty good with it. I'm going to root for the Chiefs this weekend uh, against the. Uh, uh, against, I guess I'm going to root for the Chiefs against Houston this weekend because I played for the Chiefs. I didn't play for the Houston Texans, even though Deshaun Watson is a very, very good friend of mine. I want him to play well, but I, I, I think I want the Kansas City Chiefs to advance. So uh, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's very conflicting as far as you know, who my uh, alliance is with. What did you see from Deshaun Watson? I know you said he's a good friend of yours. You work with him. I mean, just the fact that he, I mean, the one play alone, Warren, of just avoiding getting sacked from his left side, from his right side, looking like Superman out there to make that play that essentially won them the game. Uh, what have you seen from him progressing here after that uh, big injury and the torn ACL he dealt with last year? Well, I mean, just the same thing you saw in college. The guy is a winner. He just finds ways to win. He plays his biggest game. Uh, or the biggest times in games at the most important times of games, and he plays his biggest in the biggest games. So that's what you want your quarterback to be, a big-time player at the biggest time. And he's continually showed that uh, in college, and he's also showed it here in the National Football League. And once they really build a lot of pieces, or a few more pieces around him, I, I should say, 
Uh, I think he'll really be a, an unstoppable force in this league because right now I still think he's taking too much punishment as a quarterback to being sacked too much. Some of that is on him because he likes to hold the ball to try and create a big play like he did the other day. And then some of it is just his offensive line is not that talented. And then he needs to have, I think, one more nice receiving piece to add to DeAndre Hopkins give him a, a, a dual threat on the outside. Other than that, I think he's got everything that it takes to be a really good quarterback in this league for a long time. Another quarterback you cover, Warren, in Seattle where you are is Russell Wilson. And he pulled it off again, and it came against a hobbled, banged-up, backup quarterback-led Philadelphia Eagle team who has just been demoralized all season long by injuries. Do you give Russell Wilson a shot here? They're only three-and-a-half-point underdogs going to Green Bay. There's going to be weather conditions. It's going to be freezing at Lambeau. Must be a, a year that ends in a number when it's January and cold at Lambeau Field. Uh, what do you see from Russell Wilson? Can they move on to the NFC Championship basically on his back, on his shoulders? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to have to carry them. There's no question about it. I mean, their running game is pretty much non-existent. You know, even though they signed Marshawn Lynch, uh, they got the young kid Hummer. He only had 19 yards on the ground against Philadelphia yesterday, and then Russell had the, the rest of them with a scramble. So he pretty much was, I think he was 95% of the offense yesterday, and he just can't rely on your quarterback that much. So they've got to get some contributions from somewhere in the running game in order for them to at least keep Green Bay honest. But, uh, they have a very good pass rush. and you can't become one-dimensional, you've got to have a little bit of balance to your offense. So they've got a tough task going up to Green Bay, mainly because of the weather conditions. I think if, if the weather is decent enough where both teams can operate, uh, Russell's going to have as good a shot as anybody to help this team win because he played his uh, college football last year at Wisconsin, so I think he knows about the cold weather. Uh, he played in, in, in North Carolina State and brought up in Virginia, so I don't think the cold weather is going to bother him very much. But uh, their defense is going to have to rise to the occasion and play a lot better. Uh, even though they only gave, they didn't give up a touchdown yesterday, <clears throat> they, it was because of the team they were playing. And that's their starting quarterback out early. Uh, everybody knows about all the injuries that Philadelphia has had in general. So that didn't surprise me if their defense rose to the occasion uh, in the game yesterday. But they're going to have to play much better against Aaron Rodgers because they have a very, very good team. And, and Aaron Jones is, is a is a, uh, a lethal back running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield. So there's a lot of weapons for that Green Bay team they're going to have to continue. Warren, you played until you were 44 years old, which is remarkable when you think about it. And there's been a couple of 40-plus-year-old quarterbacks in this wild card weekend. We saw Josh McCown finally get his chance at 40. We saw Tom Brady get eliminated. We saw Drew Brees get eliminated. We saw 40-plus-year-olds get knocked out. I mean, where's the love for the old guys here? It's going from old to young and the youth movement is taking over, but on the Brady front, because everyone's talking about it, and everyone, Warren, has their own philosophy. He's going to go to the Chargers. He's going to go away. He's going to retire. He's going to stay with the Patriots. I personally think he's going to stay one more year with the Patriots because it just makes more sense than any other scenario. But where – I know you were tweeting about this. Where do you think Brady ends up? Does he stick around with uh, New England? That is a great question because uh, everybody wants to know the answer to this. So I think that was one of the most intriguing questions going on around the country after that game the other night. And uh, I don't even think Tom really knows at this point what he wants to do. I don't think the Patriots know what they're going to do. Uh, like Bill Belichick said, we've got to sit down because this decision uh, it really affects a whole lot of people within the organization. And 
I think Josh McDaniel's going to have something to do with it as well. If he's a guy that's been with him his whole career, except for a couple of years when he left and, and was the head coach at Denver. But I, I think with Josh McDaniel getting so many different offers, he might take one of those offers finally, and maybe Tom might follow him somewhere just because of the just because of the uh, success that those two have had together on the offensive side of the ball. But, again, there's so many different ways this thing could go. Maybe he wants to finish in a city like Los Angeles that has a little more flips and glam to it. Um, there is a new stadium that needs to be needs to be sold uh, in, in Los Angeles for the Chargers. And I don't think those six ticket sales are going along very well right now. And L.A. is a star-driven city. They love stars. And Tom Brady could be that answer. So. There's a lot of different scenarios in the way Tom Brady could go right now. Isn't that kind of weird, Warren? You think about it, you think about LeBron going to Hollywood, and LeBron becomes this big movie guy, and he tries to bring the Lakers back to the promised land, and then bring in Tom Brady, and then Tom Brady becomes this movie star probably at some point, and and you take the goat in one sport and the goat that well you know the quote unquote goat goat. Some people have their own opinion on that, but the goat in the NBA, the goat in the NFL, and take him to Hollywood for this Hollywood ending. It seems like, I mean, a script being written on Hollywood. It really could be that. I've seen other guys finish their careers in Los Angeles. Whether it was Little Chamberlain came late in his career to the Lakers. Uh, you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar come out there in his career. Uh, he played a lot longer because he just lasted a lot longer. But that was the, the kind of a, the thing that he was coming to L.A. for to finish his career with Los Angeles in L.A. Yeah, Joe Namath even came out and played for the Rams at the end of his career. So, L.A. is a city destination where a lot of guys want to finish their career, and a lot of it has to do with that style power out there and what you can do once your career is over, having been exposed to Los Angeles. Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon. Follow him on Twitter, at WMoon1. Joining us here on Gangs All here with the New York Post, a nine-time Pro Bowler. Bart Star Award winner, AFC Player of the Year, NFL Man of the Year, two-time NFL passing yards leader. He has done it all. And, Warren, you were the first African-American quarterback to make it into the Hall of Fame, and you're seeing a lot more African-American quarterbacks and some prominent ones here in the playoffs, whether it's your buddy Deshaun Watson, whether it's Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, obviously. Uh, there's a lot. And do you take some pride in that, being the first African-American quarterback and now them – coming to prominence, it's got to be cool for you being the first one. Yeah, it is something I'm very proud of. Um, myself, Doug Williams, I talk to all the time with, with the Washington Redskins right now and also Randall Cunningham. We all play at the same time, and I think the way we played during that era uh, was Doug won a Super Bowl, first African American to do that. You know, Randall Cunningham, the way he played, he's a dynamic player. Uh, myself and my consistency. I think it showed uh, a lot of owners and showed a lot of general managers and coaches that African-Americans could play this game at a high level. And I think it really opened the doors for a lot of other young African-Americans to get more opportunities to play the position. And now you see because of all the different opportunities they're getting, these guys are really flourishing. And not only are they flourishing because of their abilities, but you're also seeing organizations now like Lamar Jackson they're taking their offenses and gearing their offenses towards what those players can do as opposed to trying to make these guys be something that they're not. And I think that's why you're having been seeing so much success out of uh, African-American quarterbacks because they're taking advantage of their skill set, changing their offense, bringing in the personnel that matches that, and you're having success because of it. Do you like one of these guys to end up winning the Super Bowl now? I mean, the Ravens seem like the heavy favorite. 
and you got to put the Seahawks in the conversation just because they've been there before, and you got to put Pat Mahomes in the conversation just because of that explosive offense. Do you see one of these guys end up uh, holding up the Lombardi this year? Yeah, the way the Ravens are playing right now, they are really playing well on both sides of the football, and they they, they just keep the ball away from you with that offense the way they're able to run the football and, and his, his effective throwing of the football. He's throwing at a very high percentage. So they keep the ball, you know, somewhere between the high 30s and right around 40 minutes of game, and, and you just don't have a chance to run your offense. You end up playing from behind and have to get out of your offensive game plan because of the way they play. Uh, I really think that it's going to come down to Kansas City and, and Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. The Seahawks have a really tough road. They've got to go on the road to Green Bay, and then they've got to go on the road one more time if they're going to win this thing. Um, it's going to be tough for, for uh, them to advance all the way to the Super Bowl, but it's been done before, so I'm not going to put it out of the realm of possibility. Warren, you, I want you to talk about your charity work. You do a lot in the community, and you and Deshaun Watson, you started up the Brothers in Arms uh, Scholarship Program Foundation. Uh, tell, tell the listeners a little bit about it. Yeah, we started it uh, in the city of Houston because, for one, I played in Houston for 10 years. Deshaun is playing there currently. Also, Vince Young. Uh, who played in the NFL at the University of Texas from Houston. Uh, and then Andre Ware, who's the first African-American quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy, played at the University of Houston, and he's from right down the road uh, in Houston. So all four of us got together, and uh, we all come from single single moms. Uh, my dad died when I was seven years old, and we all come from, from moms who raised us uh, and got us to a level where we could you know, play this game and play it at a very, very high level. And education is important to all of us. So uh, we got together and said, let's, let's uh, combine our resources and start a scholarship program where we can give back to kids who a lot of kids come from single families, single mom homes who are involved in athletics. They want to go to college. They have the grades to do it, but don't always have the economics. So that's what we're doing this year. We started the Brothers in Arms, and we're going to present our first uh, four scholarships this uh I think it's January 21st, Houston Sports Award in Houston, and we're really uh, proud about the fact that we're going to be able to help four students go on to college, and hopefully we'll be able to help many more as the years come. Well, we love what you're doing, Warren. I know it's been a few years since I talked to you last, but I always be- become smarter, at least football-wise, when I do talk to you. And listen, you got half of your teams, half of your former teams in the playoffs. you got a 50-50 shot, essentially, that one of your teams that you played for is going to hold up a Lombardi, and that's pretty cool. Happy New Year, Warren. Appreciate you coming on. All right. Thanks a lot for having me. You play to win the game. That will do it for this episode of Gangs All Here with the New York Post. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for making the show happen every week. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your preferred podcast platforms. You can find more Jets news by signing up for our daily New York Post sports newsletter and by visiting nypost.com. See you next Monday after the divisional round of the playoffs. We'll be right back.